0: You may find a home that you think, okay, it's big enough, but it's just so outdated, it's so old. Um, this doesn't feel like, you know, I wouldn't enjoy living in this home, but if I had the cash to renovate it, oh my goodness, this will be perfect. Well, this is where understanding that you don't need the cash, you actually just need to understand mortgage financing can come into play. Welcome to School Didn't Teach You This, episode three. My name is Jade Buckley. I went from living in a hostel to being one of the top mortgage consultants in America, helping hundreds of thousands learn how to finance real estate. In every episode, I'll be bringing you some of the best minds in personal development, real estate and finance to help you learn what school didn't teach you. How to be self-sufficient, hacks and tips to save and make more money, and the keys to wealth that only the wealthy know that you need to know. In this episode, I'm gonna be answering some of the broad and crucial questions around real estate, including why is it so difficult to buy a home, How do you renovate a new home if you don't have the cash? And what can you do if you don't have the cash for the down payment slash you don't want to use your cash to put down on a home? Let's get into it. Welcome to episode three, right? This is an episode where it's just gonna be a solo podcast. I'm gonna be walking you through a few of the key questions that I get via Instagram, right? So usually I have these Q and A's, I mentioned it in episode one and within the Q and A's, there are a lot of common themes, right? And this is one of the most common themes, which is why is it so difficult to buy a home, right? And that's the first question that I'm gonna answer during this podcast, right? So in answer to this first question, right? Why is it so difficult to buy a home? You are not alone when it comes to feeling like you can't afford to buy a home, right? And the reason behind that is because inflation has far outpaced the income growth rate, right? So there's this whole hustle culture right now where it's like, you know what? If you're not doing it, you're not working hard enough. You're not hustling enough. You know, you should be going out there. You should be making more. You should be doing more for yourself. And a lot of us feel like we're behind and we need to be doing more, right? And I do I do subscribe to that culture, right? I do think hard work is a real is a real key to a lot of your success, but it's about working smart and working hard, right? Just by putting more hours in and doing more time isn't gonna make you wealthy, right? Understanding how to use your time more efficiently and leveraging other people's time and leveraging other people's money is going to make you wealthy, right? Now, the key thing I wanted to explain here is that this hustle culture mentality, right, of, you know what, if you haven't got it, it's because you haven't worked hard enough. There is an element of that that is true, But there is another element to the fact that the era that we are living in right now is possibly the hardest era to live in that we have ever seen. When we think about times being tough, right? What do we think about, right? The hardest time in US history was the Great Depression right? And during the Great Depression, the hardest year was 1930, right? Purchasing power was at an all time low, right? Things were very difficult. Being alive was very difficult in that era, right? And that's well documented. And that's something that a lot of us as Americans, or, you know, I say us as Americans, because I was born in America, right? I sound English, but I was actually born in the US. Americans really understand the difficulty of going through that time. But we don't understand the difficulty of going through this time right now, right? So in the 1930s, right, during the Great Depression, during the peak of the Great Depression, right, the average income was just under $5,000, right, it was $4,887. Now, if you put that into an inflation calculator and see what that $4,887 would be relative to today, you would see that the average income back then is relative to about a $90,000 salary annual income today. Right now take that in right during the peak of the great depression in 1930 the average income of $4887 was relative to about a $90,000 income today right now when you look at the average home price back in 1930 the average home price was about $6000 right so that's relative to about $110,000 today right now when we look at the average salary the median salary or the median income today We're looking at a $56,000 median income across the US, right? Which is relatively considerably less than the average income back at the height of the Great Depression, right? And then when we look at the house prices, right? Home prices, average home prices, we're looking at home prices right now. Let me look at the exact number. I wanna get this accurate. The average home price today is sitting at $416,000 across the US, right? So the average income is far less, and the average home price is about four times more than what it was back in the Great Depression, right? So our purchasing power right now is historically low. It is very, very difficult right now to exist and live a fairly relatively okay life, even compared to people back in the Great Depression of 1930, right? So we really need to understand that if we are able to afford to live we're able to afford to eat we're able to afford to do some of the things that we enjoy able to afford to have some hobbies right we're not doing too badly but you can't stop striving for more in this day and age we need to realize the power of leverage right social media is a multiplier right? Back in the 1930s, if you were trying to sell something, you would be able to have one conversation at a time. Now, right now in 2023, if we're trying to sell something, we can make one post, one video and reach 10,000, 100,000, a million people within the exact same time it will take someone to reach one person in 1930, right? So we have a lot more leverage right now. So we have a lot more capability to earn more. We just need to know what to do to earn more, right? And with real estate, it's about getting into the game, right? Because essentially if you can get into a home with a low down payment and you can afford that monthly payment, which isn't gonna be easy, right? You may have to team up. It may have to be you and a partner that can afford to buy a house together, right? Instead of being someone back in the 1930s that could afford to buy it on their own, right? So you may need to team up, you may need to work on things, but being able to own a home is also gonna give you that power of leverage, right? Because let's say you're putting $50,000 down on a $500,000 home, you now control a half a million dollar asset and you only needed $50,000 to control that asset. Now, you're getting the benefit of the appreciation on that entire asset by only putting 10% of the value of that asset down, right? So there are some huge wins to be had today. But yes, I really want to explain to you guys that if you can't afford to buy a home right now, right, don't beat yourself up. Don't feel like you're inadequate because you're not. We are facing some of the hardest times in history. And we need to realize that in order to get through this, We need to be understanding of the economic situation that has an effect on us, but we need to take control of what we can control, right? And we need to think about the things that we can do to outpace, to out-leverage the economic depression, suppression, right, that we are feeling. There are so many other factors involved and things will get easier when it comes to buying a home, right? But it's just going to take time. So let's jump into that second question now, which is how do you renovate a home if you don't have the cash, right? So if you're buying a new home, right, in this market, it's gonna be very difficult to, to win a bid, right? Because there are so many people going for so few homes that in order to win that bid, you have to put the highest offer down, right? So if you can't put the highest offer down on the most desirable home, you've got to find really some of the most undesirable homes and make them work for you, right? So this is where renovations come in and remodeling comes in. So you may find a home that you think, okay, it's big enough, but it's just so outdated. It's so old. Um, This doesn't feel like, you know, I wouldn't enjoy living in this home, but if I had the cash to renovate it, oh my goodness, this will be perfect. Well, this is where understanding that you don't need the cash, you actually just need to understand mortgage financing can come into play, right? So there are many, many ways to do this, right? Um, And let me walk you through the different ways to finance your renovations, essentially not have to pay for any renovations or remodeling on your home when you're buying a new property, right? So the first way, right? And the most obvious way is what you call a renovation loan, right? So a renovation loan Is essentially when you get a mortgage and you finance the renovation costs into that mortgage itself right so the most common type of renovation loan is something called an fha 203k loan right now an fha 203k loan is an fha mortgage that allows you to finance the renovation costs into the FHA mortgage, right? Now, FHA mortgages are very useful if you're looking to buy a single unit, a duplex, a triplex, or a four-unit property, because within all of those four different types of properties, you can still put 3.5% down. Right so it's a really phenomenal loan product right because there are there are so many different loan products out there but they don't allow you to put such a little amount down and at the same time obviously in terms of credit qualification you don't have to be well credit qualified right you can get an FHA loan with a 500 credit score right if you want to put 10% down or you can get an FHA loan with a 580 credit score if you want to put that 3.5% down so let me walk you through how an FHA 203k loan works right an FHA 203k loan essentially what you'll need to do is you'll find the property right it's a little bit distressed Let's say the kitchen looks really old and outdated it's kind of nasty Um, the bathrooms aren't great you want to do some remodeling right that property is five hundred thousand dollars what you'll need to do is before you go under contract you want to let your agent know that you'll be doing a renovation loan right because an fha 203k loan because you're having to do some renovations on the property and you have to go through certain processes before you can close on the loan typically that loan will take a lot longer to close than most loans will, right? So an FHA 203 or three K loan can take up to about 60 days to close. So you have to let the agent know ahead of time, this is my plan, right? Now, if the property is very outdated and not a lot of people are making bids on it, you still will have a very high likelihood of getting your offer accepted because an offer is better than no offer. So once you've informed the agent, right? And the seller, and they're okay with that, you'll then want to get bids from licensed contractors as to what you'd need to do in terms of renovations and how much those renovations would cost right so you want to get a bid for let's say you're looking to renovate the kitchen the bathroom and uh, put new flooring in right? You want to get a bid from licensed contractors as to how much that would cost, right? So let's say you're buying the home for $500,000. The bid from the licensed contractor as to how much that would cost is $50,000, right? So you need to do $50,000 worth of renovations to that home. You'll then get an appraisal on the property. Let's say the property then appraises for $500,000 as of today. The appraiser will also take a look at the bid from the contractor, see how much it will cost to do those renovations and see what renovations will be done and take into account the after renovation value, right? So they're going to appraise the after after renovation value. So they're gonna say, look, based on this bid, as to what you're planning to do, right? I would expect as an appraiser that the property would now be valued at $550,000. The property would need to at least come in at $550,000 if you're putting $50,000 worth of renovations in, right? So if you're buying a property for $600,000 and you're putting $60,000 worth of renovations in, the after renovation value from the appraiser will have to come in at a minimum of $660,000. That's the way it works. Right? Now, the really cool thing about the FHA 203k loan is that if the appraiser deems that the property is unlivable right, during the process of you actually having to do those renovations, you can also finance in a lot of your living costs as you won't be able to live in that home during the time of those renovations being done right so that's one option an FHA 203k loan and now there are so many different factors involved in this loan right so if you want to make things easier there is something called an FHA 203k streamline which allows you to finance up to $35,000 worth of renovations right but you don't have to go through as many hoops during the process and you should be able to close that one a lot faster right so those are two FHA renovation loan products Then another one you have is something called the Homestyle Renovation Loan, which is a conventional loan through Fannie Mae. And the Homestyle Renovation Loan is slightly different. right? Because it's not an FHA loan, you'll need to put a minimum of 5% down on that loan. But the benefit here is with an FHA loan, you get six months to do those renovations. Now with the Fannie Mae Homestyle Renovation Loan, the process is very similar, but you'll now have 15 months to do those renovations. right? So if you're doing any major renovations, a Homestyle Renovation Loan will usually benefit you a little bit better. Now, something you also have to factor in is when you're getting an FHA loan in general, you have to pay mortgage insurance premiums, right? Which is mortgage insurance essentially for the entire duration of the loan, right? For the entire term of the loan. So regardless, right? Let's say you're buying that home with 3.5% down. In 15 years time, you're still gonna be having to pay mortgage insurance premiums if you don't refinance out of the FHA loan, right? So your overall monthly payment going FHA is usually gonna be slightly higher over time because you're paying that mortgage insurance. Now, if you go for a conventional loan, you do this Fannie Mae homestyle renovation loan, because it's conventional, once you have 20% equity in the property, you can then remove PMI, which is private mortgage insurance, which is what you have on a conventional loan, and then you can have a slightly cheaper payment. So in the long run, the homestyle renovation loan will actually give you a slightly lower payment. Right, so that's something to really factor in as well. Now the main difference between those two obviously is the down payment and then the credit score for the home style renovation loan will need to be about 620 compared to what we've mentioned before in the FHA 203k loan, which would need to be 500 or 580 if you wanna put 3.5% down. All right, so those are two renovation loans that you can use. And the final option, right, if you wanna renovate a home but you don't have the cash to do those renovations, right, but you still wanna make some minor renovations to the property when you move in, this is the tactic right so when you're buying the home obviously you have to put down payment and closing costs right so if you're buying a home that's a little bit distressed it's kind of in a bad condition that seller is usually going to be able to flex a little bit on the purchase price right so if you get a three percent price reduction that you can convert into a seller credit that seller credit can cover all of your upfront closing costs when you're buying the home right so if your upfront closing costs were fifteen thousand dollars and now that seller credit is covering that fifteen thousand dollars you now have $15,000 in your back pocket that you can use towards renovating the home, right? So if you want minor renovations done on a home and you're buying a home that's slightly distressed, then you can go ahead and use this tactic to then make $15,000 or however much the closing cost would be in renovations to that property, right? It's very, very simple. So the last question that I'm gonna answer today is what can you do if you don't have the cash for a down payment slash you don't want to use your cash for a down payment, right? Now, Something that's really interesting, right, is a lot of people that are salaried employees do not realize that they already have the cash for their down payment, right? But it's just not in their savings account or it's not in their checkings account, potentially, right? It is in their retirement account, right? So a lot of people think a 401k is a retirement account. A 401k is not a retirement account, in my eyes. A 401k is a savings account that is specifically designed for buying a home. Now, the reason I say this is because a 401k allows you to do a 401k loan right a 401k loan is basically a loan against whatever the balance is in your 401k right and you can get a loan of up to $50,000 from your 401k and use that 401k loan to then buy a home right as a down payment on a property right now the benefit of this 401k loan unlike other loans is that it doesn't affect your debt to income ratio when you're buying a home because if you're getting a loan that's a debt right so then it affects you qualifying for a mortgage but because you're getting a 401k loan that is then being sourced from cash that you have in your 401k it's not technically a debt right so that's not affecting your debt to income and it still allows you to qualify for a larger mortgage than you would usually be able to get from any other type of loan right now something that most people don't realize is that generally on a 401k loan you have five years to repay that back right but if you are using the 401k loan specifically to buy a primary residence you are then given 25 years to pay back that 401k loan Right, which is phenomenal. So there are so many advantages to using a four hundred one k loan to buy a home. That's why I say that a four hundred one k is not a retirement account. It is a savings account specifically to buy a home. Right. So when you really think about this, right, if you're buying a five hundred thousand dollar home and you can take fifty thousand dollars out of your four hundred one k to put ten percent down payment on that five hundred thousand dollar home, right, you're going to be able to buy the home. Right. You've got the down payment now, and over time the leverage appreciation on that home is going to be far better than the results you'd have if you just left that cash in your 401k, right? So let me break it down, right? The average rate of appreciation in California is about 5% if the average rate of appreciation is 5% on the home, that $500,000 property will now be worth $1.7 million once you've repaid that 401k loan back, right? That is far more than you would have if you were to have left that cash in your 401k and kept depositing into that, right? And on top of that, you also have a home to live in, right? So use that 401k loan, right? Because that's really what it's for. If you don't have a 401k and you don't have the cash for a down payment, there are many, many different down payment assistance programs. What you wanna do is go onto Google and search Housing Finance Authority, right? You'll then go into a website and you'll see a map on this website, right? From that map, you can go ahead and click on your state and you can then see the down payment assistance programs that are available in your state, right? Most DPA programs are three and a half percent down, maybe 5% they'll offer you, right, as a down payment assistance. And they will either be a forgivable loan a grant or a general down payment assistance loan, right? You have to pay back. Now, down payment assistance is great. There are lots of different types. The best one, right, that I've ever seen that exists is something called the a Dream for All program, right? That will give you 20% down payment assistance in California, right? It's really awesome. It's great. And there are so many other programs that pop up like this, but you have to keep your eye on that website. You have to keep an eye on what programs are available. And that website will have a comprehensive list of everything that is available and out there right now. So those answers, right? That's the episode. I hope it was useful. I hope it was beneficial. If you did find value in that, feel free to go ahead and like the episode. Um, Wherever you're seeing this, wherever you're hearing this, um, please leave a review. Um, And I look forward to sharing some more gems in the next episode, which will be episode four. And episode four is gonna be a juicy one, right? I have Brandy from Selling OC, on the podcast. Um, She is a really fantastic individual and she walks through exactly what she does throughout her daily routine, how she manages being a mother, how she manages being a real estate agent and how she manages being a TV personality at the same time, right? Because a lot of people feel overworked. This lady is overworked, right? But she really gets ahead and goes ahead and just does it, right? So she'll walk you through her processes and at the same time, you kind of get a little bit of an insight as to what it feels like to be one of those reality TV realtors, right? Because a lot of people think that there's this like crazy lifestyle that you lead, right? When you're living, you know, this public persona of being a a fancy real estate agent selling million dollar homes. But the reality is far different from that, right? And she really kind of walks you through what she does in a day to day. And she walks you through the reality of being on reality TV. So I'm looking forward to kind of sharing that next episode with you. And uh, once again, thanks for tuning into episode three.